Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. And keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real south, but you can't take the real south out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit deeper because you got thick skin. Father's Day weekend. Reed, you experienced this for the first time. We need your thoughts. How was it? First Father's Day weekend, man, it was um, it was great. We got to celebrate a little bit on Monday because as listeners know, last week on, uh, on last week's episode, I talked about how uh, Brett, our, our friend Brett and I were, were taking our road trip over the weekend. So uh, we finished up on Sunday and I made it to, to Erica and Blakely in time to see them on Father's Day. It was, it was kind of late on Sunday night, but I did get to see them on Father's Day. And then we uh, were able to spend some good time on Monday together to kind of celebrate our first one together as a family. So uh, it was great. Glad that I can that I can experience that. It was, uh, it was, it was a great feeling to wake up and, and, uh, get some, get some good messages from, from family, just being appreciated for the two months of fatherness that I've put in the workforce. So were any meats consumed hot dog at the baseball game. That was about it. And a, and a, and a, and a brisket sandwich from Bucky's. That we is a, every we, we stopped at every Bucky's uh, that we saw. I because Brett, I don't Brett's me. a huge fan. Brett's I a huge fan. I like Bucky's as well, but it looked like y'all also stopped at an off-brand Bucky's. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, we yeah, it was called Wally's, and I think it was in it was wow. in Oak. Um, no, sorry, it was in Missouri, I think. Or Chicago. It was. It was at the. It was at the beginning of our Saturday uh, drive day. And uh, for anybody out there that is unaware, Bucky's is the best gas station on the face of the planet. It is basically like a mini mall, uh, but they have all kind of cool treats, ices. They they have a ton of food options uh, that are great. There's a million gas stations at every single Bucky's. It's amazing. Widely regarded as the best. But this 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 off brand we called it Kmart Bucky's <laughs> when we went through it was uh, it was it was clearly uh, trying its best I'll say that to be to be what Bucky's is uh, needless to say we uh, we didn't buy any of their beef jerky and we got some gas and, and made our way down but uh, yeah it was it was pretty funny to see Brett's reaction when he walked in and thought that he was going to get something on par with Bucky's but it definitely was not. They did their their tagline was I think on the way out as you're exiting Wally's, uh, their tagline is the entry the in, the entrance to the Great American Road Trip, which uh, for anybody that has road tripped around uh, the United States knows that the Great American Road Trip is a nickname for Route 66. If you want to take Route 66 from Chicago, I think all the way down to California, have at it. So Wally's, we went, we, we visited Wally's, the Kmart Bucky's. Does Wally's have a mascot like Bucky? 
The not Beaver? that I remember. Not that I know. I think they just had the brand, the name. So maybe that's no, why they. Maybe that's why their brand is not as high quality. Is because they don't have little stuffed they don't beavers. Have a mascot. That's right. They don't have their beavers face everywhere on hats and or beaver one nuggets. Of, one of my friends that I went to school with at LSU had a. Uh, swimsuit with Bucky the Beaver all over it. I mean, it's yeah. It's Brett amazing. almost bought a Fourth uh, of July shirt with Bucky on it. Bucky and American flag. Yeah, just goes to show the brand loyalty is strong. Some patriot very he strong. Is. So we've got a little uh, different episode this week. We're going to take a break from some of the football stuff on on our side of things. And there's a couple topics that we wanted to cover couple big storylines that happened over the last couple days and over the weekend that we are going to cover today. We're going to go, we're going to go through a little bit of the MLB sticky stuff uh, dilemma that is uh, showing its ugly face here as of June 21st. Uh, We're going to hit a little bit on the Supreme Court NCAA ruling uh, that came out a couple of days ago. Uh, regarding uh, athletes being able to take advantage of their name, image, and likeness. And to finish things off, we've got a little fantasy football story that some of you might have seen making its rounds on Twitter last week. Uh, as we get into it, let's uh, we're going to hit on this some of this MLB sticky stuff uh, to start off with. But uh, just to intro, uh, for those who may not be aware, MLB released a statement last week saying they were cracking down on pitchers' usage of any substances that could potentially positively affect how they throw the ball, um, their spin rate, how their pitches uh, move as they as they approach the plate, all that kind of stuff. So some of the banned substances uh, include sunscreen, rosin, which which have been used by pitchers for a, a long time, and one of the one of the other substances that kind of made a big name for itself this last week and a half or two weeks is uh, the spider tack stuff. Blake, are you, are you familiar with that? I've seen what's going around and it's, it's, it's crazy because I've never seen anything like this in my life. I saw an old video on Twitter today of like Phil Necro back in the day, like being checked for like foreign substances. And that was like the, that was like obviously way back you know, I don't even, I don't really remember, at least in my lifetime, that being a huge issue. I remember there was a pitcher for, I believe the Yankees, that... Pineda. Yes, Pineda. He had it on his neck. Yes. I remember that back in like, what was that, like 08 or something? Uh, It was probably Um, like six years ago. um, So it's more recent than that. But other than that, I don't really remember this being as much of an issue until very recently. And I think that that's a result of the broadcast and the exposure that is on these guys. Now there's so many more camera angles. There's so many different accounts that are watching and breaking down, analyzing games and things like that. There's the Rob Friedman on Twitter with the pitching ninja. I own a pitching ninja. Great follow. It's it's th- it's accounts like that. There's a guy on on TikTok. I, I think he's also on Twitter. His username is Hey Hey Kami. His account is solely dedicated to finding pitchers cheating, and they and he like finds these angles and he he breaks it down. He shows what they're doing, and it, it's interesting because there's so much more exposure and there's so much more 
attention brought to it, it could have been happening all along and we just were not aware of it. But it, it's an interesting it's an interesting ordeal that uh, the MLB is dealing with right now. Yeah, one thing I thought was interesting when I when I saw it last week when when the MLB released this re- released their statement of what of how they're kind of approaching the situation. But uh, Trevor Bauer, widely loved by the co-hosts of this podcast and uh, and baseball fans uh, around the country. He posted a video on his uh, on his social media where he basically rubbed. Um, he didn't t- he didn't say what he used until the end of the video, but it basically started out with him holding a baseball with his palm facing down, kind of like he was palming a basketball, but his fingers were spread out like he was giving a high five, and the baseball was sticking to his palm. And and by the end of the video, after he kind of roasted MLB a little bit on on them you know, not being super coherent with what they're trying to do. Uh, he basically said he made the baseball stick to his hand with sunscreen and rosin. And the crazy part about that is, I think, is that he also he also made a video, and I, I saw it, he also made a video using a combination of sweat and rosin, and it was still sticking to his hand when he was doing the same exact thing. It might have it been sweat and rosin, but... Uh, the, the video, I mean, we saw the same video. I might've been sweating rosin, but, uh, I mean, to, to that same point, sunscreen, I mean, they, they've, they've basically gotten rid of, they've said you can't use sunscreen and rosin. They said you can't use spider tech, but I mean, from the, from, as from, since we've been playing and watching baseball, I mean, I feel like rosin bags have been, have been on the back of the, of the pitcher's mounds for them to use. I mean, you know, are you going to tell, a pitcher for the Braves, uh, you know, Max Freed, are you going to tell him when he's spraying sunscreen to go pitch in 95 degree Atlanta heat that he can't, that he can't like rub his arm? Right. Who's to say that he's not going to walk out to the mound, grab the rosin bag, wipe the back of his neck with his hand, right. and then all of a sudden he's throwing, you know, nasty sliders because he can right. grip the ball a little bit better. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And to your point earlier that you, you know, the reason that we're bringing this up is it's, it's come to a crazy scenario where these guys, the, the pitchers are getting tired of these ump checks when they're not cheating. They're not using any kind of substances beyond what they're allowed. What the, you know, you're allowed to have sunscreen. You're allowed to have the rosin. You're allowed to have sweat on the back of your neck. What's, you know, they're they're exhausted with every other inning being checked for for foreign substances. You, you and I were, were going back um, a little bit, back and forth a little bit on it last night because last night Tuesday on on the twenty or the twenty second, uh, I think was the first night they started checking. So of course you know the, these uh, these accounts that we that we follow for our you know our baseball info on Twitter and stuff. They're posting all these videos of, of Scherzer getting, getting furious with Girardi calling him out from the other dugout, asking him to be checked seven times in one game every, you know, after every inning he's out there and he's basically just throwing his hands up. Like, I don't know what you want from me. Right. And he looks like he's going to, he looks like he's going to kill him. Like he's giving him the death stare with his double colored eyes. And he, I mean, there's not a lot, there's not many things more intimidating than Scherzer, on the mound, if we're being honest, 
you know, Sergio Romo, another one, for example. I mean, he, he was caught on video, and this is the funniest one I saw, but he just kind of like threw his hat and glove down, threw his belt off, and like pulled his pants down. He's just like, I, I mean, what he's like, what, what more do you want me to do? Like, you're checking me, and I, I have nothing to show you. There's nothing on my hands. So I think it's it's kind of reared its ugly head, and I don't think that this was something that, that baseball could have seen, com- you know, the MLB office could have seen coming when they kind of, you know, were, were expressing interest and in taking a stance on, on the subject. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. And I, I know Bauer's pitching tonight, so I, I, I've seen a little bit of talk on, 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 on Twitter today about, you know, what, you know, what kind of show is he going to put on for the Dodgers when, when he gets checked coming out of the first inning. So uh, it'll be, you know, it, it'll have me tuning in. Well, one thing that I saw a couple hours ago is – uh, you know who also is pitching tonight is Shohei Otani. Well, uh, yes, the most beloved player in the whole league. You, you know exactly how his pitch pitcher check went. They walk up to him. He's smiling. He's laughing. He thanks them at the end of the at the end of the check, and then he goes back to his dugout. He's Just the most likable complete- player in the whole league. Complete polar opposite of yes, you know these guys making crazy. You know, th- Girardi was about to fight Max Scherzer last night. Yes, he w- he got thrown out of the game because he was about to fight him. He was asking him to fight him, and then you have Shohei Otani, polar opposite. You know, thanking the thanking the ump for. It's almost like if for, they didn't check him, he'd ask them to check him. Thank you for a like, holding. Are you sure you guys don't want to check me? He's like that kid that in the back of the room that's like, do we have hey, homework? Uh, yeah, do we have homework on a Friday afternoon when the teacher when the bell rings? So yes, thank yeah, you for upholding the uh, the integrity of the game. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, just to kind of end this. Uh, I don't think it'll be long before the umps kind of get tired because the umps see it too. I mean, the umps see these videos. They see guys, you know, they're 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 going to start getting booed in the stadium. Soon enough, you know, you know when 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 these ace pitchers are out there throwing, you know, when Scherzer goes out there in five day in four in you know in four or five days for his next start, and he's got ten Ks at the end of the sixth inning, and he's getting checked again, you know those boos are going to come raining down. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting. And just uh, just a side note, I mean, I do think that I mean it's clearly making a difference across pitchers over the last day or so because spin rates, I mean, you, you can go on the StatCast website, you can see spin rates are pretty much down for most of the pitchers that have that have thrown innings in the last day and a half. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think I think hitting will start to see, you know, the, the natural the natural effect of of this, you know, cause and effect will be an, an uptick in hitting, which I think is good for the sport. I just think the way that they went about this whole deal with with the sticky stuff and, and the whole way MLB cracked down so hard, basically in the middle of the season, that's just not a good look. And and it's not surprising considering who's running, who's the commissioner of the league. But you know, I I, I don't think it's good for baseball in the short term, maybe the long term. Uh, but we'll have to see. I think you know. I think people want to see more hitting. They want to see more balls in play. You know, if this leads to that, toss your hat in the ring. Well, speaking of important rule changes that we've seen in the last week or so, 
Let's talk about something that hits a little bit closer to home for us with the whole debacle between the NCAA and the Supreme Court. Yeah, the Supreme Court uh, unanimously uh, ruled uh, this past week that the NCAA went too far in blocking some education-related aid for student-athletes. And for, for those who, who don't know, we're here to fill you in a little bit. But for a long time, uh, the NCAA has, has basically made it uh, illegal for student-athletes of any sport to basically make money and profit off of off of their name, image, and likeness, which which was a, which which was kind of uh, weird to, weird to kind of be on the other side of it. Uh, my first year in the league, when you sign, you know that you're going to be a part of the players' union, and you're you're able to take advantage of being on the Madden game and stuff like that. You you you, you kind of get money towards that. Whereas when you're in college, they basically make it impossible for you to do that by limiting summer job wages, all that kind of stuff. You know, you, you can't give sponsorships for basically anything. And, and I know a couple years ago, uh, I think you, you might know the kid, uh, but there was a kicker uh, who I, I think maybe for UCF or USF, uh, but he had a big YouTube channel destroying destroying i don't know him um, but he was he, trying to monetize he his youtube account big time headlines uh, and basically the ncaa said he wouldn't be allowed to do that while he was playing so i think he he just stopped playing because he figured he could make more money on his youtube account which uh good for him i don't know where he's at now but uh anyway this this supreme court decision basically is a step in the right direction uh for players current players and soon to be college athletes it's a it's a good step in the right direction for them to make make a profit off of their off of off of their likeness yeah i think this is something you know this is something that we've been pulling for for a long time i personally when i was on the ncaa committees and the sec committees this is something that was brought up every single year by the players across multiple sports and it was always shot down, always shot down. And so it's good to see that it's gotten to a point where people beyond the athletics bubble have noticed that this is a growing issue and that this is athletes basically being taken advantage of and more has been done to go basically go above the NCAA's head to create this change. And so I'm all for it. So I don't know if you saw uh, the little blurb from uh, Justice Kavanaugh uh, after the Supreme Court decision, but uh, a little a little excerpt from his statement says, uh, basically, the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of student athletes who collectively generate billions, with a B, in revenues for colleges every year. The money seems to be flowing to everyone but the student athletes, and end quote. And I think that that pretty much summarizes basically what you just said, Blake. But what what these athletes have been fighting for for a long time. I mean, it's not it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see, you know, every year, you know, to see you know these huge revenue streams and everything that these that these schools 
get every year. I mean, you, you, I think every after every season, you know, when, when bowl games are played and stuff, I, I, I seem to see the numbers every year when when the football seasons are over, you know, that from the, from the playoff, the college football playoff, there's a certain percentage of the revenue that gets shared across the conferences, right? You know, each school could make, you know, $50 million or $20, 30 million And it's, nobody really knows what that money goes to, you know, I'm going to speak, you know, on something close to our hearts, LSU, you know, it's, it seems like with the amount of money that they make every year, we could, we could get a little bit updated uh, concessions at Tiger Stadium, right? Like something as simple as that where, I mean, I, brought, I think I brought it up a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Tyron Matthew. You know, if you had a million dollars to give, what would you what would you spend it on, right? Like something – a lot of that new stuff is great, but I think to – just from from my perspective, increasing fan experience would be would be a, a better thing. But that's I'm 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 getting off on a tangent. The putting more money into into pockets of student athletes is the ultimate goal here. And these schools that earn billions of dollars across the country are just pocketing everything. And it's it's time to it's just time to flip the tables just a little bit. It doesn't have to be Anything extreme, but allowing, allowing the allowing the players that want to pursue sponsorships and pursue opportunities for them to get paid while they're playing, whatever it may be, I think that they should be allowed to do that, and that's been the general stance among players pretty much across the board for years now. Something that I've always thought was interesting and funny is number one, the salary of the NCAA president, Mark Emmert. Do you know what he makes in a year? His base salary? I mean, it's got to be north of – I mean, the highest SEC coach gets 12 maybe, 13 Saban maybe around there. I would say Emmert probably is around 15. Not quite that high. But he's he makes $2.7 million a year. Interesting. And he will through 2025 now. He's under contract through 2025. And that's so that's number one that I think is is hilarious. The second thing I think is hilarious is the fact that the NCAA is actually registered as a nonprofit for tax purposes. They, so they don't have to pay any they don't have to pay any taxes on the seven hundred million dollars or however much money that they bring in on you know, these huge March Madness tournaments and things like that, that it just, it's exploiting the, it's exploiting the players. And, you know, for the people who, who say, oh, well, the student athletes are getting us, are getting a a free education. Well, yes, that's true. But if you, if you quantify that, that's what, $60,000 a year to play on the game. I I think it depends on what school you go to, but you you can't put a number on it. By on, on averages, it's it's roughly sixty thousand a year, and that's that's I mean that's on the high end for uh, for probably a power five school. So I just think it's interesting how there are perspectives that feel that way, and then there's growing support in favor of the student athletes, as there was there was not as much support uh, when this topic became popular 
back when Johnny Manziel was in college. I remember that was when the conversation kind of got started. I want to get pro- I want to get producer Chris's thoughts on this. What do you think, Chris? My only question this is t- we're talking about like Title Nine here. So essentially, if you're going to pay the players of football and basketball, which are the two entities within college athletics that make the school money, I mean, if if you're paying a football player, let's just say forty thousand dollars to play for LSU, you would ha- you would also have to pay an LSU swimmer that amount too, right? Because of Title Nine. Yeah, I think yeah, Title IX is an important aspect to this. I think the I, the the way I'm looking at it is more amongst the the player specific side of the player the player seeking out their their own sponsorships. Um, I I mean, bringing up Title IX, I think that's a great point to your answer. You basically have to make it square across the board. One, you know, from the revenue standpoint for playing for, for paying players, but what's there shouldn't be anything stopping a student athlete, Reed Ferguson at LSU in 2015, as a senior who's been there for four years, right? From going out and saying, Hey, Mr. You know, John Deere at the Ford dealership, I'd love to drive a Mustang, right? Like, I'll, I'll post on social media and I'll do some advertisements for you. For a Mustang and fifty thousand dollars, right? Like that—that that should be a thing that you should be able to do. You're you're over eighteen. You're an adult. It's a free market society. Like take advantage of how take advantage of your platform. Take advantage of your like I keep saying your name, image, and likeness. Like like you said, Johnny Manziel, he could have made buttloads of money if this was if it was legal to right. Like he probably still got paid to do stuff behind the, you know, uh, uh, under the, under the table. But I mean, if, the, if it was, if it was, uh, if he was allowed to pursue relationships and sponsorships on his own, you know, for, for money over the, you know, over the top of the other stuff like that, he could have made a ton of money. Chris, what do you think? For you two being athletes, how much of this is going to, come into play for high school athletes selecting their college based on, because I think we talked about it a couple episodes before where they could like a, a certain school and I think it was with Georgia, that law that came out in Georgia. So if you went to a college, you're a college athlete and you're looking to go to UGA and they're going to take X percentage of any sponsorship deal that you have. But if you go to tech they're taking way less. So as a college athlete, how much is that going to play into your decision if you're choosing between tech and UGA? It'd be huge. I think, I think that, I mean, yeah, it it would definitely be huge. I think, you know, that law is only being written into in Georgia. So it'd be interesting to see nationwide, you know, kind of what the national standard is as far as, how much the school would take and redistribute amongst the other athletes. It is interesting from a recruiting standpoint, you know, how many, you know, you know, from, from, from a recruiting standpoint, when you're looking at different schools and and you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm the, I'm the number four ranked quarterback coming out of the state of Texas. Okay. So I've got my, my top three are Texas, LSU and Alabama, right? Who they're all great programs historically. They all have great resources, weight room, locker room, everything. 
who has the who has the best off the field financial potential for me as a student athlete going there for four maybe five years right that's where I can see it ending up you know who what kind of what kind of car do I want you know that's like the first thing that that you know you Blake you sent me the or you you retweeted the the dude for Oklahoma this week like he's posing in a jersey is a recruit posing in a jersey with the gloves and the helmet and the whole get up in front of a dang Bentley on the on the football field like you can't tell me that that's not I mean it may not be a violation but that they're not trying to bribe him to go there uh, by putting him in front of that stuff so it'll be I mean it, it'll definitely be interesting to see when you know Congress I know Congress is trying to they're they're considering passing a bill for some kind of national standard but it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of where this whole thing ends up I still think we are a couple years away uh, from getting a final answer but uh, it'll it'll definitely be be exciting to get to the end of it you would think that uh, this whole situation would make uh, SMU on the comeback. <laughs> Bring them back to prominence. Well, I think this conversation is certainly one that we are going to have over and over and over throughout our podcasting career because this is obviously an ongoing and a um, a growing situation that uh, is kind of unfolding before our eyes. So it'll be interesting to watch and uh, just kind of follow along with how this goes and, and how the NCAA tries to adapt to what the Supreme Court is forcing them to do. Something else that's very near and dear to our hearts that has hit the news this week is a headline that I saw first on Twitter. And I think you and I kind of shared it back and forth and, and talked about it a little bit. But um, we are we in the Ferguson family are huge, huge Waffle House fans. And as I want to have- remind the guests, uh, what your dinner was in high school when we'd go on Thursday nights? So we used to go every Thursday night to Waffle House. And I would get – when I was trying to gain weight in high school, I would order two full all-star meals. That's four eggs, six pieces of toast, six strips of bacon, double hash browns, double waffle – and I usually was eating roughly two hours later. I was hungry again. <laughs> but as I've, as I've gotten older and as I went through college and sort of my first year or so uh, in the NFL, obviously Waffle House cannot be a part of the uh, regular part of the diet. But I still enjoy going from time to time. I've received copious amounts of hate for going to Waffle House. And I don't think that it's fair because people, everyone that goes to Waffle House and eats the food loves it there. One one headline that we saw in the last week was there was a gentleman who lost his, he came in last in his fantasy football league And as a consequence for coming in last in his fantasy football league, he had to spend 24 hours in a Waffle House restaurant. And every waffle that he ate took an hour off of his time. That's right. So 
I think he when he first got there, he ate two waffles just to go ahead and knock off two hours of his of his stay. I didn't look back to see uh, the end of the thread because I think it, I saw the tweet the day, literally the day that he posted it. Do you know how long he actually spent in the Waffle House? So he entered at 4.07 p.m. Central Time on June 17th. Okay, this was uh, almost a week ago. He got there, like you said, ate a couple waffles, took a couple hours off of his, off of the end uh, of his time of his stay at Waffle House. I'll say stay because uh, he, he stayed overnight. But he ended up eating enough waffles to get himself out of Waffle House at 7.06 a.m. In his Twitter Amazing. thread, he said he ate nine waffles in 15 hours. And it was it was a pretty interesting thread. We'll we'll have to retweet it from the podcast account. I mean, it, it, he was he was basically live tweeting the whole thing. It was very very interesting. It definitely went viral. But he, I mean, there was there he he was the the, the man was struggling. He was he was front seat. He was the driver of the struggle bus. I would be struggling he, I mean, too. He, he was I'm drinking honest. a bunch of coffee. I mean, he said he he even said he had to go puke a couple times. Like. I, I think before I would down, I would probably eat a couple spaced out, but he ate nine waffles between the time of four o'clock p.m. and seven a.m. Not, I mean, it's got to be ten thousand calories. Why would you get there at four in the afternoon? Wouldn't you want to get there at like six a.m. and down those nine waffles? That way, you're not there overnight. I would assume that because it was his punishment that he didn't get to choose what time he got there. That was my first thought because I thought the same thing. I'm like, yeah, I'd wake up early with a with a with an empty stomach, right, and go crush some waffles. I'd, I'd crush three right off the bat, take a nice break, right, listen to some touch tunes, right. Blake knows what I'm talking about. Listen to some touch tunes. Make some friends with the workers. Let them go off for their smoke breaks. And hit some around lunchtime, I guess. I mean, I don't even know how. I, I, I would definitely space it out more than he did here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought about start. You, you definitely got to start early if you have a choice. But I would assume that he did not have a choice given that he got there pretty much right before dinner time. But. Blake, how, how would you – have you thought about – I mean, you, you said you saw the thread. How, have you thought about how you would maybe attack this this, uh, this crazy Waffle House trip? If I'm – so I, I have a very high metabolism and pretty much always have. But I guess what I would do would be to – if I was going to down nine waffles, roughly, maybe more – I would do it in increments of three because you could you could time it up with like meal times. So you could do like every three to four hours if you're going to be there 12 hours, maybe 15 hours. Uh, you could do every three to four hours you eat three waffles. That's probably what I would do. 
I don't know, you know, when you get to waffle six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know how my stomach would feel because I would just be so sick. But, uh, yeah, that's probably my, my first approach that I would take. I have a weird question. Would you rather do this challenge or would you rather do the nine inning challenge? And for those who, for those of our listeners who have never heard of the nine inning challenge, it is you go to a baseball game, college, pro, whatever, and you have to drink a beer and eat a hot dog every inning for nine innings. Which challenge would you rather oh my take part in? Because I because oh I know man. my answer. I think. Uh, well, what's the what's the punishment? For not finishing the nine innings, you go to Waffle House and spend it out a day. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would definitely pick uh, nine innings. Yeah, I don't. Honestly, I don't know what the punishment is for not finishing, but either way, you're going to be in a lot of pain. Nine I think, beers I think, and nine yeah. hot dogs. Yeah, and those beers I mean, that they either, sell, either either which one, either way you choose. At some point, it's coming back up. The I've seen TikToks of it, and you are number one. You're wasted by the end of the game, and number two, it's it does all come up. Nine hot dogs in like three hours plus oh. plus beer. Those beers I are. Can't even, I can't even eat nine hot dogs in three hours without the beer. Those beers are big. They're like the big tall boys. Oh man, I would be Yikes. I would be so sick. Chris, which one would you pick? I'm looking at this just based on my situation. So if I was in a fantasy football league right now with my friends here in Buffalo and I finished dead last and my punishment was Waffle House, and we don't have Waffle Houses in Buffalo. The closest is Ashtabula, Ohio. It's the closest Waffle House. I would take the Waffle House just because we don't have Waffle House here and it's very rare that I go back to Atlanta. So, just a nostalgia factor. I would go. I would drive to Ashtabula, Ohio, and I would have, I would have Waffle Houses. Chris would. I think Chris would be the guy to eat. He he would be the guy. Like every time he ordered a waffle to shave off an hour, he'd order like a waffle and a steak sandwich. Right, like he's gonna take advantage of it because he hasn't been there in so long. My go-to order at a Waffle House is I'll get a waffle, a waffle, and then hash browns scattered, smothered, and covered. Delicious. And one thing that is a benefit, an added benefit that we have not discussed, is is the entertainment, not only by the touch tunes, but also by watching the workers fight each other. That's exactly right. And also fight customers. Because yes. I personally have witnessed that. Yeah. So I think I've actually witnessed both. I've witnessed workers fighting each other and I've witnessed workers fighting customers. So I think that that's an added benefit that we, you know, I think we need to address that. Yeah, that, that I've, I've, you know, everybody's seen the videos. I don't think much more has to be said about Waffle House workers. If you know, you know. Well, that wraps up episode nine of After the Snap. If you would like to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, you can find us at After the Snap Pod. Uh, we will be posting there weekly 
um, you know, before and when uh, episodes go live. And then uh, before we record, uh, we like to post uh, our mailbag questions. Uh, so we love we love hearing from from our listeners, so we can get some good questions and answer them uh, on the podcast that week. So thank you again for listening. Check back also for the uh, Waffle House thread. We will share that on our uh, Twitter page. We will make sure to retweet that. This has been After the Snap, Tales from Two Brothers Who Live Life Upside Down.